Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Julia. And I live here in Cambridge, in King's Hedges. And during the week, I work at Westcott House, uh, which is on Jesus Lane in the middle of town and is an Anglican theological college. Uh, most of our students at Westcott House are training to be ministers in the Church of England. Uh, and there are two parts to my job. I teach people about the New Testament, and I help uh, to assess whether our students are ready to become ministers in the Church of England. For this role of assessing uh, our students, the Church of England gives us particular guidelines. They want to know, is this person trustworthy? Are they honest? Do they live out their faith in their daily life? Is this a person who loves God deeply and sincerely? And is this a person who loves other people and wants to be a minister because they want to help other people, especially to help other people experience God's love? Those are the sorts of character traits that the Church of England wants to see in its ministers. And of course, as you could imagine, it's the same in other churches. It, Baptists and Methodists and Roman Catholics and Pentecostals also want their leaders to have these sorts of character traits to love God and to treat other people well. And we also see similar concerns in the Bible. The writers of the various books of the Bible were also interested in the character traits of God's people. They thought that if people loved God, you ought to be able to see it in their daily lives, in the way they talk, and in the way they interact with others. And that's what our Bible passage for today is about. If you've been coming along, you know we're in the midst of a sermon series on 2 Timothy, or what Matt calls 2 Timothy, but I'm American, so I call it 2 Timothy. If you want to follow along, we're at the beginning of 2 Timothy chapter 3 today. And I'm going to read the passage for us. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, Having, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Yanis and Yambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected. But they will not get very far, because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear 
to everyone. The first half of this passage gives a list of character traits that the author thinks are really bad and that he thinks we should not see among God's people. The author says that the world is going to see a lot of bad things, especially as Judgment Day gets nearer. He says there will be terrible times in the last days as Judgment Day gets nearer, and a lot of people will treat each other badly. He says in this passage, people will be lovers of themselves. They will be self-centered, selfish. They'll care more about themselves than they do about other people. Throughout the Bible, as you know, we see repeated calls to love God and love your neighbor. While being a lover of yourself is sort of the opposite of being someone who loves God and loves their neighbor. Our passage also says people will be lovers of money. That goes along with selfishness. They'll be greedy. Their biggest goal, their number one goal in life will be to make a lot of money and not to help other people or something else. The passage says people will also be boastful and proud. They'll brag about how great they are and all the great things they think they have done. They will be verbally abusive. They'll say cruel things to one another. They don't care how they make other people feel with what they say. They'll be disobedient to their parents. At the time this text was written, it was really important in that cultural context uh, for children of any age, including adults, to honor their parents and treat their parents with respect. Our passage also says people will be ungrateful. Although the good things that we have in life come from God, and often we have those things because other people have sacrificed and helped us, people won't recognize it. They'll think that the things they have are all things they deserve and which they have made possible without anyone help from anyone else. And it says people will be unholy. They will do religious practices they shouldn't be doing. And the list goes on. It, our passage tells us people will be without love. They'll only love themselves. They won't really love anyone else. They won't really care about anyone else. And they'll be unforgiving. If someone hurts them and then comes and apologize, apologizes, they'll say, too bad. You hurt me once, now we're enemies forever. I don't accept your apology. Instead of saying, of course I accept your apology. Let's be reconciled, let's be friends and brothers and sisters again. People will also be slanderous, telling lies about other people. And they won't have self-control, they'll lash out in anger. They will be violent. They'll be brutal. They won't care about right and wrong. They'll be treacherous, people who can't be trusted and might betray a friend if it will help them to get ahead. They'll be rash. They'll do things without considering the consequences and conceited, obsessed with how great they are. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, people who only think about what will make them feel good and not about how God wants people to live. And finally, the text says people will have a form of godliness but deny its power, 
which means some of them will say they're God's people, they'll say they're followers of Jesus, but you wouldn't actually be able to see it by looking at how they live their lives. They might claim to be followers of Jesus, but they won't be people who treat other people well, who love God in a way that you can see. So overall, this first part of the passage we read for today paints a picture of people who don't love God and don't treat other people well, including some people who say they are followers of Jesus. Now, if one of my students at Westcott House, where I work, showed any of the character traits that our passage mentions and that I've just been talking about, I would be a bit concerned. I might start asking myself, is this person really suited to be a minister in the church, to be a leader of God's people? Do they really have the right character traits to play that role in the church? And I would probably call them into my office and we'd have a conversation about the things that I had observed in their behavior. Maybe, let's hope for the best, maybe they have never realized that this is the way that they act and they're horrified and they would like to change with God's help. If so, fantastic. God is a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. God can transform people's lives. So just because someone's not perfect yet, that's not a problem. God can help us become more and more like Jesus over time, more and more like the people he would like us to be. On the other hand, though, if I had a student uh, who had some of these character traits we've been talking about, but didn't care, didn't think it was a problem at all, well, in that case, I would do something else. I or my boss or someone else would call up the Church of England and say, you know what, we don't think this person should be a leader in the church. They don't seem to actually have a deep love for God. They don't seem to actually have a deep love for other people. And if they became a minister, they might do more harm than good. And I think that the author of 2 Timothy probably, in that circumstance, would do the same thing. Because at the end of this long list of bad character traits, the text says, have nothing to do with such people, people who have these bad character traits. Of course, that is generally good advice. I imagine those of you who are parents are interested in what sort of friends your children make. You want your children to be spending their time with people who will be a good influence on them. And of course, we as adults can also be influenced by other people. If you spend a lot of time hanging around some people, you might gradually become more like them in good ways or sometimes in bad ways. So it is wise sometimes to think about, are these the people that I should be spending my time with or not, especially if they might be a bad influence. On the other hand, though, I don't think that means that we should only spend time with people who are perfect. And I don't think that's what we should take away from our passage today. Honestly, because then life would be pretty lonely. There aren't very many perfect people in the world. So if you can only hang around perfect people, well, you might just be by yourself. And also, I'm not perfect, and then you couldn't hang out with me, and I would find that pretty sad. 
In the Bible, we also see Jesus hanging around with all sorts of people, including what the Gospels call tax collectors and sinners, right? People who weren't living yet the way that God wants people to live. But Jesus spent time with them, and we can too. And in fact, that's something we need to do if we want to see people's lives transformed. I grew up in the United States, in the state of Michigan, and I remember years ago having a conversation with someone there who was part of a Christian ministry that went into maximum security prisons in our area. Uh, This person told me that their ministry in the maximum security prisons would run Christian retreats for prisoners. They wouldn't run the retreats for people who were already Christians, but for people who were not Christians yet. And in fact, what they would do is, in one of the prisons, they would ask the warden of the prison, the head of the prison, to send them the worst prisoners, the most difficult cases, the people with the worst behavior. And then for a few days, they would try to shower God's love on these people, letting them experience God's love really for the first time. And what they discovered is that people's lives were often transformed through this ministry, and the people who had been the worst prisoners suddenly became uh, quite different in their attitudes and in their behavior once they had experienced God's love. So, just because people aren't perfect doesn't mean that we shouldn't be spending time with them. And that also goes for other Christians. Most of us aren't perfect yet, I'm not, maybe you're not either, but when we spend time together, God can work through our relationships and our friendships to help us become more and more like Jesus. That's one reason we get together on a Sunday morning. So we can help each other love God more day by day, treat other people well day by day. We can help each other make sure we're not the sort of people that our Bible passage from today warns about. Of course, loving God and treating other people well is important for all of God's people, but it's especially important for leaders. So not just leaders, but also important for leaders. And I'm mentioning that because I think our passage for today is probably thinking particularly about leaders. The author seems concerned that there are some followers of Jesus who are teaching things that are contrary to what God wants, Some people are leading other people astray through their teaching. In verse 8, it says, these teachers oppose the truth. So it mentions teachers, so I think that the author is thinking about teachers in the passage, or leaders, Christian leaders of some kind. And the passage says, these are men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected. So we get the impression that they are teaching, they are not properly teaching the faith, they're not properly living out the faith. And that's probably because their heart is not in the right place. I don't think we're talking here probably about well-intentioned people who love God and love others and just happen to have different opinions about some theological issues or about some questions about how Christians ought to live. At least, I hope that's not what we're talking about, because a lot of theological questions or questions about how Christians ought to live are really hard. They're really complicated. And it's 
pretty impossible to know 100% for sure exactly what God would say about those things. I can't read God's mind. I bet you can't read God's mind either, although if you can, I'd be interested. Come and let me know. And that means that, you know, I often reflect that, well, I think maybe God might think this about such and such an issue. I'm not 100% sure what God's opinion on things is. And in fact, I can tell you as someone who spends a lot of time studying the Bible, it's also often not entirely clear even what particular biblical authors would have said about particular issues. For me, what that means is that I try not to be too quick to go around pointing fingers at fellow Christians and calling them teachers of depraved minds or men of depraved minds like this passage in 2 Timothy. To be fair to the author, maybe that was justified in that particular context, but probably not usually in ours today, and I, for one, want to be a bit careful about using that type of language. I've also never yet had an occasion to compare other Christians to Giannis and Yambres. In case you're wondering who on earth those people are, uh, those are two guys from the story of the Exodus, uh, when God had Moses lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. In the story, Moses does some miracles, and there are also some Egyptian magicians uh, who can do similar sorts of things. And according to tradition, those Egyptian magicians were called Yanis and Yambras. Now you know. Trivia for today from your next quiz about uh, the Bible. An another thing our passage does, which I myself probably would not do, or definitely would not do, is to talk about uh, gullible women as it does in another part, and you might have heard me read. In the passage, it says that these bad teachers, whoever they are, spend their time trying to win over gullible women to their point of view. That probably reflects some mistaken assumption that women are more gullible than men, that women are more easily led astray than men. That's not something I believe, uh, but also when I think about texts written in the first century, 2,000 years ago, it's not entirely surprising to find that sort of things. Sometimes in the Bible we see ideas that reflect the way people tended to think in that particular cultural context. God was using human beings to convey his message, and sometimes I think we see a little bit of that humanness in the Bible. So, I suggest we might not want to take 2 Timothy 3 as an example to imitate for exactly how to talk about other Christians who say things or do things we don't agree with. But I think there are still things that we can take away from the passage for our lives today. And I will end with this thought. I think our passage uh, encourages us to love God. It encourages us to treat other people well. And whether we're leaders or not, I think our passage encourages us to try not to be the sort of people that other people feel the need to give warnings about. Amen.